and welcome to the 250, the podcast where men are disgusting. I'm Douglas, and with me as always is my co-host man, Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm disgusting. <laughs> if this is your first time tuning into the 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and have begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 230, The Handmaiden. During the Japanese occupation of Korea in the 1930s, the daughter of a renowned forger and a swindler posing as a Japanese count worked together to defraud a Japanese heiress and her rich uncle. This film is directed by Chanwook Park, who is known for Thirst, Old Boy and Joint Security Area, and was written, uh, the original novel was written by Sarah Waters, um, and then adapted for the screen by Seo Kyung Jong and Chanwook Park. My, uh, please forgive me for <laughs> pronunciation. I was reading those out while we were doing some preparation. I was like, this is a rough one. I'm glad Douglas uh, is introducing uh-huh. this. Uh, Chanwook Park is he's known for, uh, it's called, I think, the Vengeance Trilogy, which Old Boy is one of. Right, okay. Uh, primarily, and those are very fantastical, action-y kind of films, and this is not right. that. Yeah, not an action film, most definitely not. Um, neither of us have watched this film before. Went in completely dry, and I strongly, strongly recommend that this is how you go in on this film. 100%. Uh, the pre spoiler section of this is going to be very, very short because... Very thin. Yeah, literally all you need to know is that tiny little baby, baby uh, summary, <laughs> summary that Jonathan yep. just gave. And literally don't look up anything more than that. Just go in with that. And just please know that this is a very good film um, and you'll be in for a good time. Yeah. It is, um, it is, I guess, kind of like a thriller, sort of. Yeah. Romance. As you can guess from the um, description, there's like a plot going on. As is in any movie. <laughs> As is in, mo- uh, in most movies, but you know, it's center fucking stage. Mm-hmm. And um, also be aware... That this is very R-rated, and you oh, should. Oh yes, uh, don't watch it with your family. Yes, uh, this is. Uh, uh, do not uh, watch this with your mum. Wait till mum and dad have gone to bed. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, maybe whack some headphones on for this one. Make sure you're alone, <laughs> and uh, just yeah, keep to yourself. Yes, but uh, yeah, I I went in completely blind. I had I hadn't even looked at the cover or anything. I just same, jumped in, same. Grabbed the mm. file, played it. And I am so, so glad I did because, well, I don't want to tell you why. Do I? It's very good. It's it's just, it's worth it. It's worth it to go in as dry as you possibly can. Pre-spoiler's done. Pre-spoiler's <laughs> done, yeah. Visually, very cool. Yeah. I have a bunch mm. to say about that, but there's a lot of fun cinematography. Stuff that is, yeah, uh, reliant on the plot. Extremely heavy but clever use of like color grading and stuff to kind of portray the mood they're trying to do mm. some really fun music i the the first thing that caught me was that the soundtrack was incredibly absent from the film um in, the music, in most the, places the music i found was good though <laughs> but yes, you are correct. yeah the music when it is scattered in is very very good but yeah i found i was rather uh was the literally the first note that i wrote i was like holy shit the lack of soundtrack is uh, oddly refreshing hmm. and some really good use of props and mm. set design the costumes 
all fucking bulletproof. Really, really Period impressive. Period accurate. Yeah. So, yeah. I think we'll pull what we did with... Um, we talked about this before and I forgot the name of the film. In the Mood for Love. Uh, in the Mood for Love. Don't do anything to possibly spoil it for yourself. I think this one's a bit easier to get your hands on than In the Mood for Love. This one is much easier to get your hands on. You know, if you can deal with full-on fucking sex scenes, then... Yeah. Uh, and you're into an interesting kind of plot thriller type situation almost not thriller as in like inception <laughs> yeah but thrilling yes yeah i would highly highly recommend this This blew me away uh it was yeah, very very agreed. cool agreed really um smacked my ass and uh, called me sally mm. um just looking at uh, in terms of streaming services you can stream this on amazon prime in the u.s so if you have Amazon Prime, you can check it on there, as well as there's a whole bunch of other streaming services that you can rent and or buy it on. So I'm sure there's, yeah, plenty of uh, places to be able to find this one, unlike <laughs> in The Mood for Love, where you can maybe find a $50 DVD on Amazon. <laughs> I think if you're in Australia... Oh, these are articles yeah. on it. For a second there, I thought it was just on SBS online. I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> By the looks of it, in Australia, it's a rent or buy from uh, Apple. One provider, yes, Apple, Apple TV. Oh, hang on. I think this is an error in Letterboxd because I just clicked on it and it is sending me to the Middle Earth Extended Edition, the six film collection of the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You know uh, what? That's not the same movie. <laughs> yeah, The Handmaiden is not uh, the Lord of the Rings, unfortunately. <laughs> um, or maybe fortunately. Maybe fortunately. Yeah. Maybe I'm glad it's not The Hobbit. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, we fucking, we preambled nearly up to the 10 minute mark, so that's fucking good enough for me. I'm calling Have it. we ambled? Jeez Louise. Put in that spoiler dolphin. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. That's a much longer silence than what we normally do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, this, the, the length of the silence doesn't matter because you, you, just, you can just sl- add in silence. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's always nice to put in a big one. Um, we could literally leave half a second of silence and we'd be fine. Okay, so again, I just I almost want to double warn. Like, legitimately, <laughs> go fucking watch this movie. Do not listen. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so, so cool. Um, I I think we... Um, gosh, I don't know where to start. Mm. Maybe I should start with the visuals just because it's a nice, safe... Sure. Sp- well, we'll start with that. We'll start with that. Sure. I think sure, um, sure, sure. of all the things to take away from this, uh, there are a lot of things to take away from this, but I did, I did pick up on kind of the vibe, the visuals of the film. Mm. The two spots that really got me were originally before i started really getting sucked in by the plot were the scene in like the forgery house with all the babies yep and the camera's kind of rotating around everybody all the time and it feels very high up like it's kind of yeah. you're, you're looking almost down on the action you're you're taller than the characters you're building these characters of these characters mm. um and there is cute little shots like where it's looking over the counts left shoulder and you can see one of the girls and that shifts across to across the right shoulder and you can see Suki. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. there's all this stuff where it's very kind of dramatic where he's kind of doing doing a lot of things as he's talking and, you know, and Suki's like takes the lighter out of his pocket and he takes it back off of her and mm. blah, blah, blah. That, that, that felt almost like adults 
Ghibli film. Yeah. Especially because it was kind of very colourful and interesting going on. Mm. There was just this constant movement, which is something that I got from Ghibli films. And the other bit was very close to the start where Suki is exploring the estate and she's kind of just like, there's all these different little garden bits and little paths and side buildings and stuff. And there's this real sense of like wonder mm. and, and the music really reflects that. That was, that was the musical bit that really got me. Right. Which I may have made an absolute idiot of myself because I, that is the only one that immediately comes to mind, but I loved it so much. Yeah. Right. It's this. I, Suki is a, a lot like a puppy to me uh-huh. in the film. You know what I mean? Like that's, she's so, overwhelmed and kind of always happy about like just a lot of the stuff that's going on around her you know she's curious she's active um she's always seeking things mm. whereas the lady is like the polar opposite of that lady hideko is like i mean if we're gonna i'm gonna run this puppy analogy she's like a cat and she's more like inward shy kind of just slinking along doing her thing you yeah. know yeah isolated i, I like that a lot actually yeah, isolated, mm. definitely. She's kind of... she. Well, you know, she wants to do other stuff, but she doesn't really have the opportunity to, so she's just so, like, inward. Because she's so smothered by her uncle throughout her whole life and everything. Yeah, sorry, I'm kind of swinging you away no, from no, visuals. No, 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 that's okay. My apologies. That's all right. That's why this is a two-person podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if I did have anything in relation to visuals, and I think the only thing that I can pick is that... I think in terms of... It's not even a cinematography thing. It's more of a uh, almost choreography kind of thing. But just the way that people moved was very fluid. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's uh, the bit where I wrote down that note was towards the beginning of part two where we uh, get to meet um, Hideko's aunt and... The, she's in the be- uh, in Hideko's bedroom after the maid just told her the story about the ogre that's in her closet and stuff. It's going to come out and smother her if she cries. And then the aunt just like, like a fucking apparition, slowly glides over, takes a seat, pulls something out of her sleeve. You know, it's all like so just fluid. I, I can't think of another adjective to describe it. It, it feels like everything is on its own little like little wave Mm. um it's everyone is traversing very elegantly it's almost like this um like a i guess like a motif there's constantly this this concept of like your kind of japanese stage play where not unlike western stage plays it's very um i guess like idealized and everyone is like everything's extremely intentional it's enunciated yeah yeah Yeah. and and that's like the film touches on that kind of that reading is the same kind of concept that extended reading scene yeah and that kind of pulls back into the rest of the film so the film has these and it's got a couple of spots where it's got these cute little sort of metaphors that are like being shown to you in another way. And then if you kind of think back on it, it's like, that is what this whole film is. Yeah, totally. I think I missed a lot of stuff and I'm kind of bummed out. I I know having watched the film as its complete product now, now that I know what the film is, 
I kind of, I definitely going to have to take another swing at it mm. just because I know there's so many metaphors and tiny details that I have completely missed. Um, so, yeah, as you said, there are just so many, there's a reward for the audience to pay attention and think that extra mile. Uh, and undoubtedly there's a bunch of symbolism and stuff that uh, goes on throughout as well. Hmm. Talking about symbolism, uh, the very fun reason why this is a slightly uncomfortable film to talk about and why Mm. it caused uh, a bit of a mild uproar at the Cannes Film Festival when it was shown is that this is a two and a half hour film that is just about sex and that is... Yeah. There are other side things but it is constant where uh you know the reason that uh, Hideko and the uncle are where they are is because he's selling these dirty old sex books to other dirty old men and she's yep. you know performing these kind of stage plays of them um there's like constant stuff with um i, I guess that's a theme a very simple theme I think we can all agree with, which is that hmm. dirty old horny men don't do that or, you know, give it a break. And yeah. and that almost felt... I, I don't know how you kind of experienced that, but when you've got all those... Like, the film has three extended, very, you know, not leaving anything to, like, metaphor or anything, like sex scenes. Yes, yeah. And... Yeah. They there's no like fade to black as they roll around in the sheets like it uh-uh. is. <laughs> uh, there's about a literal two three minute, pretty basically porn. I think it's. I think that one's I should have recorded it. I think it's. It's more than five minutes. It's huge. Really. It's ma- uh, especially the second fuck. one. Yeah. But you feel so like voyeuristic, and like yes, gross. <laughs> you're like yeah. You're like, I mean... It gets to a point where it's like, is this necessary? I think is the that's the key um, question that needs to be asked. Mm. And I, I, I think what you're trying to get across is that it wasn't necessary. I think that it was necessary to build on... I don't... Like, it could have been done differently. But looking mm. back at especially the two key sex scenes in the middle... They mm. felt like they were really hounding on that. You're a voyeur. This is gross. Yes. Especially because we're both guys. It's like, you're being gross. And I'm like, I know yeah. I'm being gross. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is like, leads back into the gross old dudes and the whole concept of all the, everything the uncle's doing and all his books and stuff. Totally. It's like, it's the polarizing view of what these dirty old horny dudes are thinking of. And then I guess the, the other side of that coin where it's uh, Hideko and Suki sexually exploring one another in a way that is far more less fucking weird than the <laughs> kind of stuff that Hidoko has to read from some of those books. Yeah, so I I don't have like a hard answer on whether I think they were entirely tasteful. I'm always a little... Mm. Don't always feel great about sex scenes in films. Yeah. These ones, I think in making me felt, feel uncomfortable, I feel like that was part of their goal. The objective, yeah. The real problem I found was in the last sex scene, which felt like they were trying to go like we're you know 
pulling a nice tight bow on this metaphor. Yeah. Know? And the whole film has been about sex, so an ending that is a sex scene uh, sort of fit. On the other hand, it didn't feel entirely necessary. I, I, I liked that image of them, you know, like taking the mustache and the gloves and like throwing them out to sea. Yeah, and tossing and, like, off. tossing yeah. away their... Um, their mm old life and i think it could have ended on that mm. i guess it you know there's yeah it, it's hard and i don't have a hard answer on whether um it, it's appropriate i think this isn't about my sexuality which is why i'm like i you know i'm gonna leave this to people whose voices have a bigger yeah you know impact bigger um, exactly it, yeah, it the people more. who are actually in that minority i suppose i feel it's um I don't know, yeah, unjust uh, for me to uh, make mm. yeah, too much comment on whether it is accurate or not because I'm not in that minority. So <laughs> I'm a cis white male who makes a podcast. So exactly. Like yeah. every cis white male. Like many other cis white men. And this whole scene was, the whole final scene was definitely trying to work towards this metaphor of kind of purity and there's like this, the the moon and the ocean which are all kind of uh female Mm. sexual metaphors benoit balls which are like they do sound nice so there is that (laughs) i i actually had a pair of benoit balls like uh, as a kid so i as soon as they they brought them out at the end i was like i'm never going to be able to look at those (laughs) again oh no that's game over for me yeah my grandpa had they made that chime noise like two Mm. i i don't know i i kind of I kind of want a pair, not the ones on the rope that you can do yeah. naughty, naughty yeah. things with. Lewd things, But the, yeah. the, the, the noise they make is really nice. And it was a very... It's very, yeah, very relaxing. Very cute thing to kind of end on. Um, mm. It's weird. And I, I want to see it as taking myself out of this argument rather than being a puss baby and not having a good and a <laughs> good answer for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Um, it's tough. But I, I, I did like that. I, I like that that kind of voyeuristic thing, which I think is intentional in those yep. two key sex scenes where they're like, you should feel bad for watching this. You should feel like yeah. a voyeur for watching this because you are one. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I appreciated that. So The film is forcing you to be the voyeur. Um, for me, I, uh, you haven't seen Parasite, have you? I have not. Okay, well, this film was kind of like Parasite before Parasite, I think. Um, everyone fucking lost their mind over when Parasite came out and, you know, how good it is, but I think this film holds up, if not more than what Parasite does. Wow. Um, Parasite is a good film to go and dry, so I'm not going to say any more than that, but when we do get to Parasite... Keep this one in the back of your head um, because it's, yeah, I think The Handmaiden probably should have scored more than it did mm. in terms of awards. But I, I guess, as you said before, it does all come back to that sex is a rather central um, theme of the movie, whereas oh, in Parasite, that is not a central <laughs> theme. So therefore, less controversial. It potentially had an effect on the ratings and stuff, this drama with people. Yep. Like even looking at the like letterboxed and, and like other blogs and stuff, people going like, yeah. 
going like this film just focuses on this too much and uh, male gaze lesbian exploitation yeah. and stuff and I'm like I kind of I get that I entirely get that and I don't know mm. where to actually stand on what the right way to do that is but to yeah yeah there's definitely uh, more controversy within there but uh, instead of talking about uh, <laughs> sex scenes for like uh, 30 minutes of the podcast we're going to talk about the other, some of the other very interesting things happen in the podcast which is the fucking plot <laughs> um, the plot twists in this movie fucked me over so bad I watched this film at the time of recording on the same day at 3am and when the first plot twist happens where uh, you know uh, I, the film feels like it's wrapping towards its finish at the end of part one mm. And, you know, uh, the Count is coming out of the car and he's like, it's okay, you know, it's all, it's going to be okay here, Deco. And I'm like, okay, they're going to toss her in the madhouse. But then what happens is the rest of the movie going to be like Suki and the Count having a Bonnie and Clyde where they just blow all their money on fucking <laughs> coke and hookers. But then I'm like, There's a, this is part one. There is a part two to this. Where does this come from? And then when the, the guards, you know, grab Suki and then there's that immediate... Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) It has been a very, very, very long time since a movie has had a plot twist where I go, oh, fuck, like, (laughs) out loud. And uh, that this movie did it for me. Uh, Twice. Twice, as a matter of fact. Um, Because immediately after that, and then you get the part two, you're like, okay, well, fuck Hideko, fuck the Count. Suki deserved better. Mm. And... Um, then, you know, the more we get into part two, we find out that, uh, Hideko, uh, does actually have, uh, other motives other than just screwing over Suki and, you know, they have their own little plan. Um, and I really enjoyed the conversation within conversation when you get through part one and it's all Suki's perspective. And then you get that other perspective of part two which is from Hideko's perspective, plus that little extra exposition of her character, how she grew up in the household with the uncle and everything and how fucked up her childhood was. Mm. Um, and then getting that those same scenes that we've seen in part one, but with either extra stuff that we didn't get to see or conversations within conversations, as I was saying. You know, the, the Count was having his own conversation with Suki as he was with Hideko, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, uh, everyone had their own kind of um, little nods and you know winks and <laughs> things like that. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. The the subterfuge. The subterfuge. This is it. The trio <laughs> of secrets and subterfuge, baby. The trio. <laughs> this is the- <laughs> um, it continues. It continues. And this film. Um, yeah, I I really liked how. It just got me every fucking time where I was just like, you could feel this thing throughout part one where Suki's like, feels fucking terrible about uh, deceiving Hideko, but it's like, I mm. she just kind of puts it behind her. And then Hideko does the same thing. She's like, she gets further in and they start becoming closer and and she's like, I feel terrible about deceiving her tricking but, her now yeah she thinks she's tricking me but i'm tricking her I, yeah it's which is fucked i i really like the um the sapphire earrings scene when you yeah, get to the other yep. side and and hideko's like oh i fucking know that you like 
look at forgeries and shit all the time. Like, I totally understand this and you're not fooling me at all. Yeah. That was incredible. And you kind of, they kind of come together and the Hideka trying to hang herself again mm. on the tree is where that kind of, you're like, oh. That's such a gut-wrenching scene. F- fuck that scene. Yeah. D- just in general, sorry, I don't mean to uh, fucking steal your thunder no, go for here. It. Go for it. Um, but uh, just for me, um, Minhee Kim, Lady Hideko, is just, I fucking cannot even begin to explain how good a job she does mm. in this film. That role is so incredibly difficult and complex. It has so many nuances and so many things that she needs to get through, as well as the obviously very demanding sections of the film where she has to act in both a rape scene and a consensual sex scene. Um, there's just... Ugh, I fucking dips me lid to Min Hee Kim for doing this many uh, varied emotions and ideas all invested in this one character. Yep. Absolutely fucking fucking rough. (laughs) Hey? Absolutely fucking rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, all the actors were really good. I, I loved... Yeah, absolutely. Across the board. I Suki and her, like, being very... Her debut. That oh, really? That debut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, like, plays this, like, kind of clever, crafty little... Uh, Pickpocket. And and I, I just... I can't get over how there's, like, both of these characters thought the other one was, like, stupid and naive, and they both kind of were. Um, yeah. And then it kind of totally flips on them. I... Mm. Uh, uh, I'm getting distracted. I'm doing that, doing that thing where you just get excited about something. You don't have anything where else you to just, say. Yeah, yeah, you just jizz over <laughs> how good it was. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the end of part one and then majority of part two left me very somber. And I was kind of... Because you get... you're In your head, you're knowing that in present time, Suki's in the madhouse. Mm. And you're like, but Suki, like, <laughs> she, she deserves better. Fucking... Why? <laughs> you guys suck. Because <laughs> they, um, you don't, then, you don't get that yeah. explanation for ages. Ages, yeah, yeah. Forget you. You just have to ride along with the idea that Hideko and the Count are fucking dickholes, and then yeah, eventually you get the the explanation that yeah, Hideko and Suki have got their own little scheme going. Mm. But even then, it took me so long for me to actually kind of in my own head forgive Hideko for. <laughs> Like, for dicking over Suki. But, like, it, it was all a part of the plan, you know? Like, it was all... Everything was going according to yeah, plan. Yeah, but still, in my head, I was like, mm, fucking Hideko. I, I cannot believe it. <laughs> um, I I just couldn't get away with... Like, I, I guess... So, we talk about, like... Um, I, I'm thinking of the torture scene right now. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Where it's just, like... And and the whole Yo. thing with the basement, there's the the first time it comes up, and they do that like weird, like zoom in, but then it like blurs as it's getting closer to your face, and you're like, what the? F-? It's um another effect that I've uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, it's where you <clears throat> you're both zooming in, or wait, no, zooming out as you're moving the camera closer to the source. No, no, no. It's just, oh. it, that's um. 
that's that Vertigo effect that I forget the name of. Mm. Uh, actual, actual. It's not that. Actual cinephiles will cinemaphiles will fucking sh- we'll know what that shred is. you <laughs> shred you for not knowing that one. But um, um, no, it, it's that it's, it's a Spielberg effect. Um, no, the it was literally just. They zoom in on her face, and as they the the more they zoom, like the more blurred it gets, which I think just means they weren't adjusting the focus as they zoomed. I think the so, depth of field, right? It's how yeah, ca- it's how cameras work. But it was just like mm. so weird and discordant. And then mm. you get to like <laughs> the count's demise, which was up till then like the only other like bit of death that's like shown in the film is. Um, the hanging of the art. The hanging of the art, and that is uh, like it's implied throughout the film that she was just he, she got murdered and then like strung up. She yeah. didn't actually go crazy, um, yeah. which is this like this whole kind of beautiful corpse con- concept, and she's got this mm. like pink wash over her that's just like really nice if you ignore the context, mm. and then. Up up till then, it's you know there's nothing. Re- the only blood is like after the the first wedding night thing. Yeah. And, and then it's just like full on, like chopping, uh, the count's fingers off. With oh the- God. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the, um, uh, the lead up to that, where he's in the back of the car and he grabs all three cigarettes yeah. and fucking stuffs them in his yeah. mouth. I love that. But that was intentional because he, he has these blue cigarettes. He needs the, the blue cigarettes. And he needs yes, them to yeah. be the only ones that are in his, the mercury. Yeah, uh, I, I, oh, it's Mercury, is it? It's both, it's both serves as a comedic bit and as a, uh, a, a tactical, mm. uh, piece of the plot. <laughs> and there's like them driving away and they're like, you can hear the guards like coughing. The yeah, going coughing. Like- <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, so fucking good. I, I, I just like that. It was, I, I don't know what I was supposed to feel besides like a kind of level of disgust, but like. The film's like intercutting the audio of him being tortured, and then the the, the girls getting guy, away, yeah. and and stuff like that. And and at the same time, there's like, oh, he's just drilling a drill into his hand, and like, yeah, cutting his pants off with a scissor so he can cut his dick off, dick off, yeah, <laughs> and store it in a jar. It's oh, that was that was nasty as they like pan across, yeah. and it's just pan like across the wall of oh! jars he has. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> That 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 hit me really hard. I I I don't know what was the intention with that ending, but I definitely felt I think something. It's, I think it's a very glorious um, kind of send off for the count because right. the count. I think we all kind of when we realize that the count is the count and the uncle are both the centrifugal antagonists of it. Mm-hmm. And they're both men. It's kind of nice to see that they both get their real fucking dark comeuppance yeah. uh, with uh, with each other. They both fucking, they <laughs> die together. You Go know? out at the same time. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I think, and, and this, will, this will potentially look bad on me, but I think because of how the film portrays all of the, like, nasty, like, the readings and all these, like, paintings of... Uh, sex acts and stuff the erotic paintings yeah um i think because that's kind of intentionally dressed up in this in the way that um what's it called like the the like i guess sort of geisha kind of look that she Mm. has when she's reading it's all kind of 
glamorized and stuff, it doesn't, that specifically didn't feel as gross until they got to that scene where they're like, this is what's in these libraries and Suki starts kind of trashing everything. And mm. I, I Which, think- Which, that was also very fucking satisfying. That was really cool. And it's, it's once again- Good job at the film for making me feel gross when I should have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the library, I have a note about this. Uh, I mentioned it before with, like, props and stuff. Those, like, paintings and stuff, like, all the scrolls are on, like, actual linens. And mm. and the paintings look so fucking legit. Immaculate. I, mm. I was just blown away by, the like, those in particular really got me, but, like, Everything with the sets was like, you know, you've got this basement that's like densely filled with all these props that kind of, you know, make sense to be there and all the like book cutting tools and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and just this entire library of like prop books that must have taken months to make and then yeah. get like shredded and get absolutely trashed by Suki and Roy. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and like even the the performance room itself with the tatami mats and they they're yeah, just like being able to pull up the tatami mat yeah pouring ink all over them i was just absolutely once i it, it, it's it's the kind of you know when you have an amazingly well prepared film like that with all your sets and your props and your costumes and stuff you don't even fucking think about it it just happens and yeah. and yeah. then you look back and you're like Oh my god, that was amazing! Uh, mm. That mm. they just—it was entirely convincing the whole way through, and even like the um, in the back of the set, they've got like the old timey like levers and stuff that are those like direct connector like switches. So this switch yes. is literally yeah. just going in and like making a circuit, which is like horrifically dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the, just the whole way through. Incredibly period accurate in every yeah sense of the word. I assume. Uh, it, it, at the very least, it convinced me uh, imp- uh, entirely. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, we're no fucking experts on 1930s feudal <laughs> Japan and Korea, but um, uh, we, um, you know, looked, but we were convinced. Looks pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. And you got this whole... Uh, sort of metaphor with because the the original book i'm hoping you don't have too much on the this in the in the trivia but the original book by sarah waters sarah waters <laughs> was uh written from a british perspective i believe yeah and um and this film is then which i i think i wonder how they would have done a lot of this film from a kind of british perspective because Mm. I am aware of those concepts of your kind of geishas and your hyper-idealized performances and stuff in Japanese culture, and I wonder how that kind of would play. How would it translate to a British culture? I don't know how you could put this kind of purity on it that that mm. that is implied, I guess, with the the whole performance. The bit of trivia that I had on it was that it was, uh, yeah, based on the novel Fingersmith by Sarah Waters, which was published in 2002. Um, and the novel is set in London during the 19th century, but the film is set in Korea in the 1930s under Japanese colonial rule. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. It's um, uh, a bit of a different, yeah, take, which is very nice and definitely suits the film and its uh, context well. It fed it amazingly. Mm, big time. I But you've got this kind of combination of, you know, your 
east and west and that's uh implied early with like the east and west styled buildings so there's all these rooms where like all the servants quarters all the manors uh, sliding doors with the paper screens and then the internal part of the building is all you know normal stair normal staircases british kind of western style was also super cool fun little Mm. fun little bit of i guess it made it feel a bit more fantastical and that kind of weirdness made the film more convincing i guess yeah Yeah. Uh, i think um for me uh you haven't seen Knives Out, have you? I have not seen Knives Out. Uh, the the manner that Hideko lives in reminded me of the Knives Out manner in the same way that it's yeah kind of very um, dense and uh, mm. has a lot of uh, obviously care and love put into it uh, by the set designers in terms of props and um, yeah just the general aesthetic of it. Nothing like some good decadence. Architectural decadence. architectural decadence to mm. to really get you in the mood, you know, get you in the mm. vibe. May mm. really convince you as to what's going on. Um, the um, just just thinking uh, visually again. There's the 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 bit of editing where they have the flashback and the count does a fucking cartwheel, and then I, you're like, what the fuck? And then Suki flips the coin and it stops on the. Um, on one face of the coin, and then you start the flashback. Where the f- wait? <laughs> it happens in the film. I promise. I'm really wait. When does this happen? Because I'm wondering if you actually watched it's... the extended version that I didn't. Maybe I don't Maybe. know. Um, Suki gets called over to one of the maids. Comes over and goes, Suki, you're needed by the count. And then the count. Uh, then she's like, Yeah, sure. And she goes over to the count's thing. She sits down, opens the thing. Uh, sits down, closes it, and then they look at the maid and watch her until she leaves um, the uh, paper... um, uh, What's its thing? The paper screen. Right. Um, Oh, right. And then they... um, He does the cartwheel and she she goes like, you really think I'd fall for a fake? And she flips a coin and then um, Uh, goes into the flashback. I recall this now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. And then Suki just being, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, uh, very uh, snarky. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then you get the flashback explanation. Right. I thought right. that was a... It's a great way to make the audience go, what the fuck? And then explain the the what the fuck. You know what I mean? It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Very clever. Um, I visually... Uh, I've already harped on about this a lot, but, you know, color grading, wonderful... They did a lot of work to make a lot of things look very dull and dreary because it's always raining at the estate and there's like the rain at the start as well. Um, I've got some side-by-sides that I'll show you later um, of the kind of work they did on that, but it's crazy. They've completely just like made it look like a completely different location, which is nuts. Mm. I uh, Oh, they also did a lot of work paling out Hideko's skin tone, which they kind of had to balance to not pale out the other actors too much. The rest of the... Yeah. Wow. Because she's supposed to be this kind of, you know, indoors bound Yeah, exactly. She's mm, stuck indoors all the time. Yeah, she's got to be pale. Mm. And there's a couple of really fun scenes with uh, the side-on scene of uh, Suki getting pulled into the madhouse uh, was, like, really striking. 
like per- there's something there's something about like really well used completely flat shots from a really like nine like either f- directly face on the camera or directly like 90 degrees onto the camera mandy mm. ha- mandy mm. had the same thing where um red drives up on the quad bike and he's just like center of frame complete side of his body yeah something that's cool about it it's uh stark yeah a very 2d effect that um the only other director that i can think of that does that a lot is wes anderson i was gonna say um that was where i was thinking yeah was that where you were going i was exactly gonna say wes anderson yes (laughs) wow um yeah he loves that 2d uh shtick and the french dispatch is apparently supposed to be coming out this year so which is wes anderson's next film and i'm fucking um if that Ends up being good, which it's Wes Anderson. I'm assuming it will be. It'll probably be pretty um, good. Going to whack it on the snubs. Yeah, love it. I think we've gone over everything. We've gone over music. We've gone over cinematography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we talked enough about the plot, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, love it. Absolutely mm-hmm. had me gripped the whole time. There's yeah, lots yeah, of insane. lots of appropriate tension, like use of tension. Um, and I unlike the last film guessed very little of what was going on and it really smacked me in the face every time which was nice yeah yeah uh and yeah do you uh do we want to flip over to some bloody trivia i can bloody flip over some bloody trivia i got uh, i just did a little brief scan over my notes i'm feeling good i'm feeling fly (laughs) Uh, apparently you got some trivia too don't you oh a little bit uh one or two things oh just just a little bit of trivia some light a little, okay. a, little after, a little after dinner mint of trivia. Oh, ooh, yeah. lovely. Mm. The <laughs> the aperitif <laughs> of trivia. <laughs> uh, the film title in Korean, uh, Agashi, means the lady, which refers to Lady Hideko, hmm. while the English international title is The Handmaid, referring to Suki. Interesting. Very, very interesting mood. Why they're different, but I don't know. Just... Thought that was interesting. The lady would probably the the lady would probably work, but I think the handmaiden had a bit more punch to it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The handmaiden sounds more unique, I think. Mm. Um, the lady sounds kind of like what's the lady? <laughs> who cares? Uh, actress Tayri Kim, who plays Suki, was selected for her role through auditions, which had approximately fifteen hundred applicants. Holy shit. Which, uh, let me tell you, I've been in those audition rooms before. It's a fucking miracle if you can make it through one of those ones. So uh, when it's one of those big casting calls where it's like the the requirements are like no acting experience, um, I don't know, tall, uh, slim, uh, black hair Korean. You know, that's a, that's a big casting call. Um, and you're going to get a whole bunch of people coming in for that. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm. And she fuck she does bloody well for like for, if that's a debut film she fucking goes hard. Not too bad. She's got a good uh, good career ahead of her, I assume. I I think so. I think she went in a she was in another film, uh, starred in another film after You keep you keep talking Handmaiden. and I'll find out. Hmm. For the theatrical release of the film, the subtitles were color-coded to differentiate the Asian languages spoken throughout the film. White subtitles were used for Korean while yellow subtitles were used for Japanese. Ah. I don't think my Which copy I did not had have that. in my version. And I'm yeah, because that would have been awesome. <laughs> we got jibbed. We got thoroughly jibbed. During the scriptwriting stage, director Park and his female co-writer Seo Kyung Jong uh, often sought the advice of one of Chung's best friends, who was a queer woman, for advice on the sensibilities of queer women. 
always good to have a reference point if you're. It is. It is nice. Um, it you know. <sighs> it's just. It's good to know. You know that 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 they weren't just bottling themselves in with themselves and going. Oh, I don't need any outside help with this. I'm just going to write it. Good that he had the presence of mind to at least talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah. As we were saying before, talking to someone who is actually a part of that uh, minority. Hmm. Both Japanese and Korean were spoken in the film by the predominantly Korean cast. Before shooting, the Korean actors were all assigned Japanese teachers to study the script and learn to speak Japanese. After the screening at Cannes, actress Min Hee Kim was applauded by Japanese journalists for her proficiency in Japanese. Wow. Okay. It's very cool. Yeah. Lady Hideko is named after Japanese actress Hideko Takamine, and Suki is named after Sue, Susan Trinder, in the original novel Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. Ah, cute. I like that. Bloody cheeky. Bloody cheeky. Um, and uh, Hideko uh, Takamine, Taka, Takamine is um, a rather prolific uh, Japanese actress. Um, she had uh, her big kind of... Um, stint throughout the 50s and 60s, um, starring in a lot of uh, considered cult classic Japanese film. Hmm. So there you go. Interesting. For the lesbian lovemaking scenes between the two female leads, all the crew members were asked to leave the set and only a female staff holding the boom microphone was present. The scenes were filmed with a remote-controlled camera. On the day of shooting, all visitors were not allowed to be near the shooting area. All male crew members had a day off on the shooting day. The bathroom set in Hideko's room was made into a resting area for the two actresses to relax between takes. The bed scenes were shot during the early stages of the production as Park thought it was stressful and burdensome for everyone. During pre-production, everything has been choreographed and discussed between Park and the two actresses who were fully dressed. And Tyree Kim said she felt slightly insecure with performing the simulated lesbian sex scenes, but Minhee Kim reassured and energised her. So, that's a, a lot of... Very good trivia to know about uh, that scene in particular. Makes me feel, yeah, uh, good to know it was done proper. I did have a little check while I was watching this. I was like, how legal are uh, are these? Turns out that, what is it, Suki's actor is 30 and Hideko's actor is 38. She looks fucking good for 30. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, oh, these these two women are 18. No. <laughs> Talk about baby face. Oh, my God. Um, but, but still, I can understand them being significantly uncomfortable about this situation. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, I've uh, personally had to do a scene where um, uh, I had to um, kiss a, another man on stage for uh, a play that I was doing. Um, and as I, as I previously stated, a cis white male, um, and the other, the other fellow was a cis white male as well. Um, we had to, we had to do a lot of, a lot of work to get us to be, even for a a kiss on stage, we had to get (laughs) a lot of work done between the pair of us to build a level of trust and comfort to kind of just, yeah, work through that, um, mentally, but still be convincing enough on stage. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I can I know how hard it is to put that together and that was just a kiss. I can't even fucking imagine the Right, whip uh, your clothes off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, get naked. Um yeah, so jeez. Dips me lead once again to uh, the two actresses. 
Hmm. Tayri Kim improvised the moment where Suki shakes her ha- uh, shakes off her hand in disgust after Count Fujiwara forcefully places it on his crotch. Uh, Park Chan Wook liked it so much that he kept it in the final card because <laughs> that is a good moment. Oh, that scene was so gross. <laughs> where she's just like, Ugh. yeah, no. Tayri Kim was a fan of Minhee Kim's work before they met. She did not know that Minhee Kim uh, would be playing Hideko during the audition, and it was only in a meeting with Park after being chosen that Park asked who her favourite actor was. Tayri answered Minhee, and Park was very delighted. Tayri and Minhee gradually built up their friendship and trust since 2014 during the preparation stage, and during Tayri's Best New Actress acceptance speech at the Bull Film Festival in 2016, she dedicated the award to Minhee, whom she, quote, fell in love with at first sight. Oh. Cute. Which is wholesome as fuck. Mm. And uh, my last bit of trivia, which is my own bit of trivia, uh, is that we will see Park Chan-wook's work again with Old Boy at probably the worst number that you could possibly have uh, in relation to a film that is all about sex. <laughs> number 69. Nice. Uh, Wait, is Old Boy die. about sex though? Huh? I, feel, I don't think Old Boy is like a sexy. No, sex no, no, film. no. But like this film is about sex. They're like, yeah, then, yeah. You know, that's the link. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. You'll love it. Uh, My tiny little cute, tiny bit of trivia is that uh, the the madhouse, the asylum, was actually a red brick building with very well-painted window frames, but they did an immense amount of CG work to make it uh, grey. Grey? With, like, rusted out frames. And like make everything look a bit more dreary. It's wow. nuts. It's nuts. That so is you a see, l- I, I, I will send you. I will send you. In fact, I'll send you it. I'll send you it now, so I don't forget. Can you show um, me the like? Yeah, the there's the a little before and after. It's perfect. It's like a, one of those like slider ones. Oh, um, cool, cool, cool. If anyone is interested, uh, Fired by Design does a um, did a little article on it about all the color grading and stuff that they've done to kind of mix it up. Uh, which I had, wow. which is why why I wanted to talk about the color grading so much. I yeah, to be honest, I didn't pick up on too much of the color grading, so I need to uh, obviously keep my peepers more peeled for uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, you know, it's like it's like that's that's your th- no music's your thing, and and looking at the visuals too much is my thing, I guess. Wow, the windows. Yeah, it's completely fucking different, and you can. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. God, that's An crazy. insane job. And you you, wow. you you didn't know it when you're watching the film. You had no idea. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I was just like, yeah, they're all black. The uh, Mercury Smoke was CG as well, but that's um, less of a surprise. Uh, yes. You, pr- yeah. you probably don't want your actors hanging around in a room full of blue smoke, regardless blue of what smoke. the smoke is actually made out of. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they did some... Um, most of the work with the yeah the other one is if you go to that if you go to that page I showed um uh, if you go back to page one they have the uh a Boyong Dang uh the the building that the forges all lived in um yeah. in that town it was made I mean it was pretty fucking dreary looking but they made it mm. even drearier yeah with, I'm just looking uh, at the before and after they um CGI'd in the clouds and and you know it was comparatively quite a small set and they've extended it out to the horizon mm, line and extended stuff. it further back yeah hmm. yeah so yeah that was that was that's you know the uh power of color grading wow exactly 
There's so much... That's insane. So much character being inserted. Yeah, that you can get through color. Via mm. editing and stuff. So, it's very cool. Mm, it's, very, it's very key because the the film really lingers on a lot of its visuals. The visuals are very important. Totally, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Me just sitting here going, yeah, we're wow, distracted for like the next Wow. <laughs> cool. Well, do you have any uh, closing remarks, Douglas? Uh, if you, if you, uh, is this a segue for me to plug the socials? Because I can do that. That is a no, thing that no. Is it was actual closing closing remarks. Then. Oh, uh, no. Just this movie. Yeah, fucking blew me away. Very good. Mm. Definitely want to mm. check it out again. A hundred percent. I will watch it again, but I will give myself a little bit of a break. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Dwell on it for a little bit, and then Some go. Oh, the Handmaiden, and then oh, check the, it out. Oh, the Handmaiden. Hmm. Um, well, uh, you can listen to the 250 podcast every week. Uh, hopefully we don't fuck that up and miss a week or two, but so far every week we're doing great. Um, Uh you can watch the podcast uh, every Tuesday at 12 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which is 2 p.m. on a Monday for the Greenwich Mean Time, 10 a.m. on a Monday for Eastern... Is that daylight time? Yes. Uh, are you just looking at the article again, Douglas? No, no. <laughs> uh, so that's 10 a.m. Monday uh, Eastern Daylight Time and 7 a.m. Monday Pacific Daylight Time. Uh, if you're boom, in you the go. Americas, bloody boom. Um, you can, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at 250pod at gmail.com. That's T W O F I V E O H P O D. Um, at gmail.com and we also have social media accounts on YouTube, Twitter and Instagram under the same handle 250pod that's T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D if you want to keep uh, most up to date with uh, everything that's in relation to the podcast Instagram is your uh, safe haven Instagram is the one I am least slack on um, so you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts, Google Home, and Amazon Echo, uh, where all good podcasts are sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get some other fun little insights from our personal Letterboxd accounts. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, Letterboxd is a movie website, Letterboxd, Letterboxd. Uh, uh, you can track the films that uh, you want to watch or the films that you have watched as well as uh, writing little reviews which is what we do so uh, I'm under Upa that is U-U-U-P-A-H and Douglas I am I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T that's Enzo Knight if you whack those into the search engine you'll be able to find us I write more condensed reviews of what I discuss here on the podcast, as well as any other tidbits that I forgot to mention. So, mm. well, you bloody go. Get the full experience. Get that full experience. Yeah. So I like being able to... We, we've started using webcam when we record uh, the uh, podcast, at least for this session, and I'm kind of enjoying it because I get to... It's uh, nice. I, d- at, I do like it. I, uh, I feel more like I'm having a conversation with you rather than... Um. Uh. Now he's mimicking a lot of my hand gestures. We're making we're making hand gestures at each other, which is something yeah. you can't do without a webcam. Yeah, exactly. We get to. I get to feel more connected to you. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm connecting with you anymore. 
No, it's just making Moncha's stupid hand gestures. Do the, do the, shake my hand. Oh, wait, I'm facing the wrong way for you. Hold up. Yeah, you are. You've got to be facing that (laughs) one. Um, well, this is a good bit that the, this is amazing. The, the podcast can definitely understand this. The power audio of audio. Only <laughs> fucking. Um, so thanks for joining us. This film was fucking incredible. I've loved our last yeah. three films. This one mm. super took me by surprise, but the other two, which came out several weeks ago now, uh, were also really, really good. Um, yeah. But this one just I mean if you've gone this far It's all been spoiled And if you hadn't watched yeah. already You can go fuck yourself Basically Yeah big fucking um, oopsies Go fuck yourself If yeah, you haven't watched it, it And if you have watched it Bloody good on you mate Good movie You've bloody Bloody got him Yep you've, you, you get the pat on the back You get the little pity pat um, Now feel bad for feeling any degree of arousal During those sex scenes yep. You deserve it <laughs> Yep Yep, you, uh, 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 what's the, uh, oh, from Mandy, you piece of human excrement. (laughs) You piece, you piece of human excrement. (laughs) It's on that. You piece. Uh, and on that note, we're gonna, we're we're gonna leave all to call our audience pieces of human excrement. I've done worse. Uh, I'm gonna leave all you human piece excrement pieces. Uh, to wallow in your excrement experience. Excremental uh, ways. Thank you for joining us. What's our sign off again? I keep forgetting. We'll see and you again. And as always, we'll see soon. you soon. Real soon. That's Bye. it.